previously on Kurt Spurb's Blurbs. Ah! Adam, I would, that would be a delight. Tonight on Kurt Spurb's Blurbs. Which was a bad idea considering you have a bunch of teenagers with a lot of money and a lot of drugs hanging out. Kurt B. Burbson. Kurt B. Burbson. Kurt B. Burbson now. Kurt B. Burbson. Kurt B. Burbson. It's Kurt's Burbs Blurbs time now. It's Kurt's Burbs Blurbs time now. Hello. And now, is it bi- this is Curtis. Is it Billy or Bill? Uh, Bill is fine. Bill is fine. Cool. Okay, I'm going to dial in the uh, recorder, and then I'm going to switch to my headphones, so I will be right back. Okay. One second here. The next day. What up, neighbors and lunatics? Dr. Kurt Money here, host of Kurt's Burbs Blurbs, the only podcast dedicated to the 1989 Joe Dante masterpiece, the Burbs. It's one hell of a neighborhood. Today, the good doctor is chatting with actor Billy Stevenson who played one of Ricky's friends in the Barb's Lunatics. He's here. In the cave. Well, he's in the cave cans, at least. Boy, does he share some gems from the set of the Barb's. It is... It's good stuff. Anyway, so he's one of Ricky's friends. He's not Nicky Cat. He's not the blonde guy that Corey Feldman slaps in the back. I asked him about the slap, too. <laughs> he's the tall, skinny friend of Ricky's that actually sports the KVB colors a little bit. Because he's got like a fuchsia tie-dye and a long-sleeve pink thing going on that uh, old Duck Money would rock in the cave instantly. Well, not the long sleeves. Jeez. No way. Maybe I'll, I'll cut the sleeves off and make them shorts. Or uh, never nudes. What the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> Anyway, I ask him about that wardrobe, and I also get to the bottom of the burp tree of what happened to that hat that he's wearing in the work print. He's wearing, like, a hat that a cowboy wears to his wedding. Like a flat brim kind of thing. You know what, though? I did not ask him what was in the cooler that he takes out of the Jeep in the work print. So that's on me. Although I suspect it was nothing. Probably empty, so they can carry it easier and whatnot. This chat, however, neighbors and lunatics, is not empty. All right, so let's hear it, Doc Money. Billy Stevenson, in the cave, talking the burps. With me, your host of the only podcast dedicated to the 1989 Joe Dr. Dr. Curtis Cornelius Money the Fourth. Enjoy your Okay, there we go. Hello? Hey, I'm here. All right. And sorry, I already forgot because I'm insanely nervous. Did you say Bill or Billy? It's Bill. Um, I was Billy when I was a kid, and then I never changed it with the union. Oh, that's great. Over. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I'm so excited. You are the first person I'm talking to that's, uh, that appears on screen in the movie. So this is, this is pretty cool. This is pretty thanks. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> now, my first question is... What's it like being in the greatest movie of all time? <laughs> um, I had a good time there. I was there for five weeks. I didn't get to do much, but I had fun. Fun? I'm shaking. That is awesome. So you said that you spent most of the time in the trailers. Now, the way that Corey Feldman talks about those trailers, that was the place to be. You gotta come down here today. It's gonna be live. Was that, was yeah, that it was. <laughs> it was pretty crazy back then. Oh, can you give me details? Do you... 
Well, uh, let's just say Hollywood's attitude towards drugs has changed over the decades. <laughs> okay. It's funny, I've seen uh, like Corey Feldman talk about the movie twice, and both times he just talks about bubbles. I was pretty reckless by that point. And how he was high. I was friends with Sam Kinison, the comedian. <laughs> and everybody else was talking about how he brought like porn stars or something. So, <laughs> yeah, so I, I didn't see the porn stars, but I did hear about it. Did you see Bubbles? What do you mean, Bubbles? Oh, Bubbles was uh, Michael Jackson's uh, chimp. Sure was damp. Oh, no, no, I never saw that. Oh, shoot, because Joe Dante talked about how he was on set with Corey, and he had to ban him from the set because he kept, like, throwing his feces all over the place. (laughs) Oh, nice. No, I I have no memory of that. (laughs) Out for their evening constitutional. Whoa! Let's start at the beginning. Um, what can you tell me about how you got the role? Like, did you go out for an audition? Like, well, let's just start from the very beginning. Yeah, um, I got an audition, and there was a little monologue to do that I guess was written for Corey Feldman's character, but they had everybody read that, and they hired me off of that. Was it the God I Love This Street speech? Uh, that was like 33 years ago. I I don't remember. I, I know it was something about the neighborhood and all that. This is my neighborhood. Yeah, that's probably it. This should be good. The script changed quite a bit as we were going along. It probably had very little to do with what actually got filmed. Well, that can be arranged. Oh, yeah. Because you were shooting it during the writer's strike. Exactly. So I noticed that in the the work print, there's a scene of you arriving on the Jeep. (laughs) Hey, Gary! Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to take a look at that clip. I didn't send it to you until this morning. Yeah, I saw it. Kiss my nose, and it was good. (laughs) You're wearing a hat that I've never seen before, and you're also carrying a cooler. Uh, Was the hat your choice? Why'd you lose the hat? When did the hat leave? Well, the first day I got there, I think that scene we shot on the first day. Okay. We went to shoot it, and uh, Joe Dante, the director, said to the wardrobe people, hey, can we change some of the stuff on this guy? Uh, So I ended up wearing different stuff for the rest of the movie. Oh, I mean, it kind of looked like you were wearing, it was just minus the hat, but maybe I'm wrong. But I, so did you get to, did you have any say? Because your, your outfit really pops. I mean, in the wide shot of the Clopex at the end, you can see you in the crowd right away because you got that pink long sleeve shirt on. Yeah, um, I, I was kind of new to the process of shooting movies back then. And I didn't know that it was okay for an actor to go talk to the wardrobe people. Says who? They had given me originally some stuff that made me look like kind of like Tina Turner. (laughs) Afraid of that. (laughs) And so I got to the set and the director's like, no, 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 let's change that. So there were a lot of changes. I don't specifically remember a hat, but there could have been one. Some bad hat, Harry. Now, also in that work print, there's that scene where we see you and the other guy. I'm not sure what his character. Did you have a character name? I have no idea. Probably not. Yeah, there's a part where um, Corey Feldman calls to you guys, but I'm not sure which one he's talking to. <laughs> hey, Gary! In red! Now, again, I know this was 33 years ago, so if you don't remember, it's all good. I knew this was going to happen. But uh, you don't remember a scene. You're, you're watching Corey Feldman from the porch, and he, like, right. slaps his buddy on the back. Do you remember this? Do you know what I'm talking about? 
not really, no. Shoot, okay, never mind. No. There was a, a lot of improvising going on in there, so a lot of the stuff wasn't necessarily scripted. You show up in the Jeep, and you guys drive around in that work print shot. It's kind of cool. You guys uh, go from the other street that's behind Mayfield Place and drive around. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, did you... um? Lost my track of thought. Oh, I know. It's okay. <laughs> keep it together, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together. So, at the very end of the film, you know the part where you're at security tape and you're talking to Dana Olson? He was the writer. Did I ask you? Uh, yeah. You and a girl are standing there, and then when the, uh, when the blonde guy is getting in trouble with the cops, you and the girl, you split. You guys are gone from then on out. So you, you, you're actually gone before the uh, stretcher or the gurney scene. Was there a motivation for you guys splitting? Yeah, actually, um, what happened is they went back a couple months after shooting was completed and did some reshoots. Right. And since my character really hadn't been involved in anything in the story except as a glorified extra, uh, they just decided not to bring me back for the reshoots. It would have cost too much money. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Were you there for the explosion? Yeah. Cool. So that, so did, they didn't do that at the reshoot again, right? They just did it the one time? No, no. They did that towards the end of the five-week shoot. Uh, I remember, because we didn't spend much time on the set. They didn't want big crowds hanging out. You're not invited. So they did let us come down for the explosion, and that was pretty awesome. Oh, it is so cool. That is, it is so unreal. And then you see Tom Hanks walk out from the house and then it explodes. It's like, oh, it's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm very happy I got to work with him. There were a lot of people there. It was a big shoot, but I did get to have one one-on-one -on -one conversation with Tom Hanks. Really, really enjoyed talking to the guy. Awesome. Do you remember what you talked about? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's kind of funny looking back on it because I was like 18 or 19 years old mm -hmm. and we were in makeup trailer and somehow we were talking about the Motion Picture Academy, the group that does the Oscars. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> being a 19 year old or 18 or whatever and not knowing any better, uh, I had asked him what it takes to get in the Motion Picture Academy and he said something about you have to do five movies, which I had done. And then he says that some has to nominate you for membership. So the conversation was basically me trying to ask him to nominate me. <laughs> it, it took a lot of guts and not a lot of brains considering I just met the guy and he was very polite about it and, you know, didn't actually say no. He just kind of changed the subject and Birds. looking back, I kind of respect that. Oh, now this is great. <laughs> That's cool because it was uh, Big had come out while, or yeah. right around the time that you were shooting it. So he was like on top of the world. And Never get over how beautiful it is up here. Yeah, he had, he had been a successful television actor before that, but he'd only been a big time movie star for about three weeks. It was oh, wow. it had just it had just happened, and now he's on the set of shooting another big budget movie, and uh, it must have been a very interesting time in his life. Wow, that's 
cool. Colin Hanks has talked about how, how he was on set. Do you remember him running around? I mean, he, you probably wouldn't know. He's just 12 year old or something at the time. Yeah, they um, to keep from having too many people crowding around. They really didn't want us hanging out on set so you're not in the yeah. dressing rooms the trailers were maybe two three hundred yards away and they basically wanted us to stay there which was a bad idea considering you have a bunch of teenagers with a lot of money and a lot of drugs yes! hanging out in the trailer <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I think I forgot my wallet. So were the trailers on one of the streets? Like I'm kind of, I'm vaguely familiar with Universal. So like, yeah, we were, we were on the back lot of Universal and there's uh, a few blocks of fake houses. And from there it goes up into the hills on the opposite side of the hill is where the Hollywood sign is. Mm-hmm. So we were just kind of within some part of those fake streets and maybe sometimes people would wander into the hills and hey you want a dog that was kind of our life for five weeks wow <laughs> that sounds so much fun i'm shaking wow, yeah it was too. it was that's gotta be awesome yeah sometimes when you're shooting a big budget thing uh for the people with little parts they don't mind just keeping you there just in case the director says hey why don't we put this person in this scene cool especially for this because the way that he shot it where if it's outside there could be three different groups of people in the background that he that they've got exactly exactly So. so they they had us there just in case the camera happened to be pointing towards the house they could throw us in the back of a shot or something like that yeah so what um do you remember any encounters with joe dante like whether or not before getting the role or like what on set like anything that stood out to you yeah it's i i don't know that i even really spoke to him but Mm -hmm. i learned an incredibly important acting lesson that was kind of related to what we were doing the other actors that were playing ricky's friends were very very aggressive about improvising Ah. and they would jump in and for some reason I had kind of like stepped back when they were doing that. Get out of my yard, hey, hey. And so finally we're shooting a scene and I was like, okay, that's enough is enough. I got to do something here. And I said a line and Joe Dante said cut. And then I think it must have been the sound guy said, hey, is that guy supposed to be talking? And probably what he meant is I didn't put a microphone on him, <laughs> looking back on it. Uh, but me being an 18, 19-year-old actor, I was so humiliated that I just didn't even bother trying anything for the rest of the movie. Uh, don't apologize. And that was a very valuable lesson to learn as far as don't let the other actors run all over you. Hey! Hey! Um, totally. So, yeah, <laughs> he said... Hey, is that guy supposed to be talking? And I was just done. Oh, man. I can imagine. Wow. Keep it together. Keep it together. Keep it together. That's got to be a lot of pressure. You're fresh on the scene and everybody's improv and like you want to jump in. You watch the scenes with the group of friends and there's so much going on and everybody's talking. Like I could imagine how it's tough to think like, well, now I'm going to jump in or now I'm going to do it. So you were up at the crack of dawn watching a dog poop. I could totally imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something I wouldn't have a problem with today. Right now. But in 1988, when we shot the thing, uh, you know, I was just so new to the whole business that it 
it was really pretty intimidating and overwhelming. Right. Yeah, totally. I remember, um, boy, this is a tangent, but uh, there was, oh, God, diamonds are forever. That'll do. Well, there's two henchmen in it, and one of them, the guy wasn't really a, an actor, and the other guy was, I think, Bruce Glover, Crispin Glover's dad, and the non-actor was like, oh, I'm kind of nervous about my lines, and then the nature's finest killer, Mr. Wynn. Bruce Glover said, oh, I'll tell you what, just give me your lines, then you won't have to say them. One is never too old to learn from a master, Mr. Kid. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's just kind of funny, like, actors, are you gotta be aggressive, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, you, you want the camera on you, you want those lines, when I look at the burbs and for how much time I spent there that you watch the movie and I don't have a single line of dialogue anywhere in the movie is something that even 32, 33 years later really bothers me as an actor. Right. And right. it was entirely my fault. Oh, no. So me wanting to talk about it, is this all bringing it back and you're, you're bumming again or is this... No, not at all. Not at all. I, oh, okay. I sometimes in acting and shooting movies, you have to learn the lessons the hard way. Totally. That's great. Did you, did you get to go to the premiere? Yes, I did. I well, don't I remember much it. about it. Do I don't remember. It no, it was, I didn't go to the premiere. Uh, I went to the cast and crew screening, cool. uh, which at the time I thought was the premiere. I didn't realize they were <laughs> two different things. Uh, the cast, the cast and crew screen screening. Yeah, I think it was at Universal in one of the theaters there. And everybody who was involved with making the movie, the crew, the cast, everybody was in the theater and we all watched it together. Do you remember what the reaction was? I mean, cast and crew, it's probably good reaction, right? Like everybody was on board or no? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it was pretty good if I remember. I mean, you have to remember when the makeup people are watching a movie they did, they're just looking at the makeup and the camera guys are <laughs> totally. looking at the shots. And Absolutely. So it, it's different than an audience of people who want to be entertained by a movie. This is people just looking at how their department did. My name is John. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I was just curious because the The Burbs. It was Joe Dante's worst reviewed film. That picture got the worst reviews of any picture I ever did. Which is bothers me because it's the greatest film of all time but what a great picture it's perfect uh it's it's just kind of wild that when it first came out it didn't do as well like i wonder if it was like people expected it to be big part two no no it's the chroma flesh tones way off it's been an interesting thing with that movie in that you're right when it came out it wasn't anything any big deal now decades and decades later i i tend to hear about that movie more than some of the stuff where i had much larger parts oh yeah it's interesting that the movie has kind of found a new life later on that's cool that that makes me happy because that's i just i want to spread the word about the burbs because i feel like not enough people know how awesome it is so that's yeah, why cool it's one hell of a neighborhood it's it's really exciting to talk to you and to talk about it did, did you have any um did you have any interaction with carrie fisher um i remember seeing her around a lot it's carol peterson from next door but i don't think i actually spoke to her you don't re you don't remember if she was wearing a wig do you, you cut your hair this was something that was talked about behind the scenes and i was just curious oh god know. i have no idea yeah. if <laughs> you yeah. go in the makeup trailer and Yes, I just can't seem to do anything with my hair. You're not really paying too close attention to what's going on. Right. I like it. Do you remember they said that they had to pass out 
notices to Studio City and like Universal City, the surrounding area, when they did the explosion. Uh, do do you remember them handing those out or or no? What I do remember them making some kind of big deal about safety precautions. Siren mode. I don't know what they did to the rest of Universal City. What, do you want me to move? Uh, but I know with us, if I remember right, I think there were earplugs. Pretty neat, eh? I know they did make a big deal about safety on the set at the time. Yeah. And considering how how close the houses are to the studio there. Good luck with those maniacs who got living next door. There probably was some sort of safety stuff going on with the residents of that area yeah and it's i remember joe dante talking about explosions that they did in gremlins and like they didn't realize that it would break the glass of buildings nearby <laughs> like it, it's, uh-huh. it, it's it's just kind of funny what you don't realize what goes into an explosion it's like you really gotta cover your ground here <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and it was it was a a very big explosion. It wasn't a little tiny thing. They blew that house up. Man, that Ricky should have stopped throwing parties. Yeah, yeah. And I remember the um. So when the house explodes, the spire from the house shoots off the roof and lands in the cop car. Do you remember this? Yes, yes. I don't remember. I remember seeing it in the movie, but I don't remember how special effects won about making that happen. Oh, okay, yeah, because that's what I was wondering, because it looks... I wonder, like, they must have, like, stuck it in the hood of the car and then cut right on it or something, but I, I'm just... I'm so impressed with all the practical effects in the movie. I'm just... Uh, just oh, yeah. Always oh, um, I know it was... Uh, the, that entire scene was a, a very big deal when we were shooting it. What are you, crazy? This is a major media but I don't remember specifically how special effects pulled off what they did, but it was very impressive, the work they did. Geraldo Rivera is coming. He's going to excavate the basement of the clump back. Did you, uh, I know you were saying that they were trying to keep you guys away from the set. Were you ever, uh, were you ever able to venture into any of the houses? Um... I don't think so, no. Um, the houses are just empty wooden rooms. There's really nothing inside. Uh, we were only, I do remember a couple times that we tried to go down to the set because we were hanging out in the dressing rooms and we said, you know, a couple hundred yards away, Tom Hanks is filming a movie. Do you guys want to go watch? And they weren't very receptive to us being there. Oh, gotcha. Come on. So I know they're generally empty in there, but the scenes when they're in the Peterson's living room, I mean, they're 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 in that house. I mean, because you could see the front yard. So is it the first room that's uh, right? I mean, they shot the stuff inside the house as well. Am I right? Um, I wasn't involved in any interiors, but, you know, set dressing can do some pretty amazing things. So I don't know if they mocked up on a soundstage what the inside would look like or if they actually refurbished the inside. There's a lot of ways to make that work. Now, I noticed that you did a Desperate Housewives in 2012. Your scene was not on the street. It was in a shoe store. But I wonder if, did you cross any paths of the old street or no? Hinkley Hills was a lot smaller then. Safer too. Um, it was on the other side of the lot. Uh, Uh, Universal is a very large lot. Uh, (laughs) and we were, I think I was more towards the Coanga side than the Barham side. Gotcha. It's funny. I heard that they wouldn't, while they were shooting, they had a contract that no one else could shoot there. Says who? So it's like they used to shoot it in the street a lot. And then from 07 to 2012, it was only Desperate Housewives, which is why everybody right. calls it whatever they, the street is 
the, right. to me it's Mayfield Place. To me, it's Mayfield Place and will always be. What are you doing with the gun? Yeah, I I love the universe a lot. I went there last year for their Fright Nights or whatever they call it. And I was right. just trying to look at all the skylines to see if I could figure out which hills you could see when Bruce Stern is on the roof. Shut up and paint your goddamn house. And stuff like that. I was trying right. to figure out like where it is, but it didn't. Right. I was, I was, I was, I, they used to take you down the street as part of like the tour, but the, I, I don't think they do it much anymore. They, they, they skipped that street. Okay. Now on the behind the scenes, Joe Dante and the other actors are talking about how the tram tours were going on while you were shooting. Do you remember this? Um, I don't remember specifically tied to the movie, but yes, the the trams is a, a fascinating part to working at Universal uh, or auditioning there or anything. It's one of my favorite parts about going there is the trams pull by and 50 people turn and crane their necks at you and they go, oh my God, is that... Oh, never mind. He's nobody. And <laughs> the trams keep going. Oh, man. That's awesome. He, they were saying that they had to stop shooting like every 20 minutes because the t- the tram tour was more profitable than the movies, Joe Dante said. Um, you- I believe that. I, do, I don't remember that, but I certainly, certainly believe that. Uh, the trams is just kind of a part of life when you're on that lot. Yeah, I remember uh, Wendy Shaw was talking about she would hope that she didn't get caught by the tram because she'd be late to get to on set. Like, you know, it's like <laughs> right. when a train is passing by or something, you got to wait there. Right. Yeah. And then Giordante also said that if you listen hard enough, you can hear the Jaws ride. And I've watched the Burbs now 108 times and I've never heard the Jaws ride in the background. <laughs> So. <laughs> right. <laughs> I remember what, one of my earliest experiences in the business. Uh, I had been working on something. I don't remember what. But when I finished, my dad took me up to the Jaws ride. And we sat on the pier for about two hours pretending cool. like we were part of the exhibit. Uh, cool. Every time the shark would come, my dad and I would yell out to the fishermen on the boat. We'd go, hey, watch out, watch out. Some bad hat, Harry. And. Uh. They let us do it. We pretended to be part of the Jaws exhibit for about two hours. Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. <laughs> I went I, when I went on the tour in like 06, and they went on the King Kong part, and I remember this lady jumped off the tram to take a picture, and we had to like go back and get her. Uh, uh, oh, wow. Your, yeah, your Jaws story was a lot more interesting than that, but... <laughs> I don't know why I thought. Of <laughs> See, this is the kind of commentary I would cut out if I was editing this. So, when was the last time? So, have you like revisited the Burbs over the years, or is it something when yeah, you act in something? I, I actually, I had seen the movie at the casting crew screening. Well, I'm I'm your neighbor, Ray Peterson, and that's my wife. Carol, that's Bonnie. And that was the only time I saw it. And I went back and watched it maybe about a year ago. And it was really the first time I'd seen it since it was in the theaters. And it was it was very interesting because so much of it, I had no memory whatsoever. And I'm like, oh, I don't remember that. But you were talking about the scene at the, um, where the police line is. I yeah. have no memory of shooting that scene. <laughs> and when I saw in the movie, I was like, oh, wow, I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, I get it. 
I get it. I mean, it's like I certainly don't remember what I was doing 30 years ago or something. So it's kind of funny. People ask you specifics about this. Yeah. And I actually, for some reason, I remember the burbs a lot better than I do some other jobs where there's some jobs I don't even remember being on the show. (laughs) Have you ever gone to any of the screenings or anything? Oh, I go. Usually you get some kind of invitation to a casting crew screening. Uh, Some projects, they'll have what's called a wrap party at the end where they rent out a bar or restaurant or something and everybody goes and hangs out to celebrate finishing the job look at this the man actually hit the right wire there's no alarm hey good work uh usually those are the types of events i go to was there a rap party for the burps not that i remember i'm sure there was but i don't remember if i went to it interesting cool i do you do you still have anything from the burbs i'm just curious i'm not asking for it i just like do you still have a script or anything from from then or no do you hang on to stuff no i don't i don't have anything from that i don't i don't think i even own a copy of the movie yeah well it's streaming on stars right now oh cool gotta get on it because that's where the burbs is welcome to mayfield place where your neighbors (laughs) cool well i can use the residual money there you go So the Burbs and I discovered each other last August, and it's been a real lifesaver for me. It's been this whole journey, and I've just been lucky enough to find something that speaks to me so clearly. Good, honey. And I'm a lot better person for it. And I'm curious if there's any form of entertainment that you have where something similar happened to you where it's like if it do you have your own burbs where it's like a comfort zone or you can you you know you can put it on and you'll be in a good space wow yeah um hopefully i don't sound like too much of a nerd but any of the beethoven symphonies do that for me cool uh, it makes me sound like an old man or a nerd or something but usually if i listen to that that can that can do the same thing that you were talking about nice do you do you do are you in la i live about an hour and a half north of la now i i moved out of the city about four years ago but i still commute down all the time roger oh so you drive so you're probably rocking out to some beethoven on the on the way then yes nice i hate cars i prefer a horse so let's see here hang on i gotta make sure a horse is more human well wait real quick rewind do you have a favorite movie? Uh, The Naked Gun with Ozzie Nielsen. Trevor. Frank. You're both right. Great choice. As an actor, he's so specific, and there's so many little things that he does. Small story. Boy finds girl, boy loses girl, girl finds boy. Boy forgets girl, boy remembers girl. And girl dies in a tragic blimp accident over the Orange Bowl on New Year's Day. And I find that, for lack of a better word, I'm stealing his stuff constantly when I'm on site shooting. That's my policy. Yes. Well, when I see five weirdos dressed in togas stabbing a guy in the middle of the park in full view of 100 people, I shoot the bastards. That's my policy. You said that they were reshoots. Now, I'm curious. There's a scene on the porch. You're not there. Ricky Cat, who plays... Uh, or Nicky Cat, who plays Steve Koontz, the, the friend right. of Ricky's. You want to introduce you to my friend? Um, right. This Steve Koontz. There's a scene on the porch where he has a pretty considerable red eye. Like, it looks like he has pink eye or something. 
<laughs> I got to go to work in a couple hours, you know. I, I don't does? remember that. It, it could just be bloodshot from some of the stuff we were doing. We need a letter by chance, would you? Um, <laughs> okay. I don't. Okay. I don't remember uh, per se. Okay. Yeah, green sky tonight. Have you done any acting uh, since the COVID stuff? Have you Have you had to do like any any of that? No. Um, it's been very tough. Uh, basically, there is no production going on in Hollywood right now, and it's going to be quite some time before we get back to work. And yeah. it's a weird adjustment to know, like, okay, there's going to be no auditions this month. There's going to be no jobs. Right. But that's just kind of the reality that everybody in Hollywood has to live with. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm an editor, and I got let go in April. And you know why? Right. COVID. And it's, it's the same. Kind of, it's just we're all in the same boat. It's kind of like... Yeah, uh, so I've just kind of resigned myself to that, and that's just the way it is. Well, I'm just looking for my mask. I don't want to end on that bummer now. Let's see if I'm going to bring it back to the burbs. I'm going to say this. My favorite part of the burbs is, oh, wait, were you... Oh, I got it. Did you talk to Did you talk to Brother Theodore at all? No, no. He played Uncle Never Rudy. got the chance. Party with you. Who is the guy who played the younger son in the family? Who is it? Courtney Gaines. Gaines. Um, I remember he was a good guy, and I'm a great bowler. But I don't think I I don't think I. We were all teenagers, and you should hang out for a little bit. For Chill you. out with us. You we got the pizza boy. dude coming. You, you know, more on you. We didn't really spend too much time talking. Talking to the older people, and I kind of regret that. Uh, I would have liked to have learned a little bit from those people. What are you guys eating in there? Well, I don't know, man. I I sure would have liked to, those five weeks of just like <laughs> chilling and then going to shoot a, going to shoot some scenes every once in a while. That sounds so awesome. Yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. And I remember uh, Corey Feldman said something that that's always stayed with me. Oh, Ricky Butler says it was about four in the morning. We were doing night shoots. Come on. And people were starting to get cranky and sleepy and saying, I want to go home. Wait, that could take all night. And I remember Corey Feldman said, you know, you're shooting a movie. Where else would you rather be? Hey, wait, you guys can't go now. It's the best part. And I called the pizza dude. All right. That's always stayed with me for the rest of my career is where on earth would I possibly rather be than here? God, I love this street. Yeah. That's a great way to look at it. It's true. That's one of the theories, yeah. So was it fun working with, with him? I mean, he was also pretty... I mean, he was huge. If God had wanted man to fly, he would have given him wings. I would say, you know, I had a, a pretty positive yeah. view of him. I, I thought he was a pretty good guy. Yeah. yeah! I wouldn't say that I knew him super well. Yeah! From the little conversation that we had, I, I really liked the guy. Yeah, green sky tonight. You didn't, did you get a chance to talk to Rick Dukeman at all? He, he, he played hard. Is that a Slavic name? Yeah, I, I remember, I think I probably did at some point because he was, he was around the entire five weeks. I just yeah. can't remember specifically any conversations we had. Shut it down now. But as far as you remember, everybody who was pretty cool. 
on set. There, there, oh, there yeah. No I, I don't okay, remember cool. any problems or any attitudes or anything. <laughs> you know, it's interesting working in Hollywood, and you would know this as well as an editor. People who aren't in the industry have this idea that, like, people in movies are horrible people. And the truth is, is that almost without exception, uh, these are great people to work with. Just suck on that. The stress level on sets can be intense. And it's like one person is around when one other person's in a bad mood. And then that's the story they take with them for the rest of the time of like, oh, that actor, oh, he sucks because he was cranky right. this one day. Well, how do you do? Exactly. You shouldn't stare like this. Well, listen, I, I can't think of anything else I want to ask. I mean, is there anything else from the Burbs time that you remember that you think I, I would want to know? No. No, I, I think we had pretty much covered everything that I had thought about. <sighs> it is, I can't, I I am floating on air right now that I'm talking to you and you are in the burbs. This has just been <laughs> Listen up, mister. This has been so much fun and I can't I can't thank you enough for Oh yeah, thank to- you. I had a good time. Thank you. Yes. And good luck All with right. that, man. I, I think it's a great idea for a podcast. Thank you. And I I also wanna I wanna write a like a massive behind the scenes book on the burbs too. So yeah, that'd be a nice project. I might have to follow up with you on for details at some point. So down the line. Oh, sure. That would be fun. <laughs> awesome. Dope, 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 dope. Just talked to our first actor from the burbs. I thought it went swimmingly. What do you think? That's one of the theories, yeah. No idea who's going to be on the show next week. But you know what I do know, neighbors? KVBTV is happening Monday, okay? I refuse to let this become the new Sentinel, right? Blurbing about neighbors that don't exist. No. <laughs> new, new Sentinel. <laughs> I think the new Sentinel is the name of the Saturday paper in my hometown. Anyway, KVBTV is not going to be the new Burbs Jason Sentinel situation, Okay. It's not going to be. So no matter what, I'm posting something on Monday. This is, I'm, I'm laying it down right here now. So Doc Money, when you're listening to this, you did this to yourself. No matter what, whatever state that mess of a timeline is, come Monday night, well, it's going up, right? You got to do it. You got to do it. Oh, also, uh, real quick, I got to give a shout out, little cred here. When I'm talking Mr. Winton, Mr. Kid, the henchman. The nature's finest killer, Mr. Wint. My long and winding road of a tangent about the Bond film Diamonds Are Forever. That story I tell, credit goes to Matt Gorley. He interviewed that actor's wife, I believe. Anyway, he co-hosts James Bonding, an excellent podcast. I mean, it's the best Bond podcast, hands down. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but I just love that fact. <laughs> that rascal, Bruce Glover. Oh, no, don't worry about it. I got a great idea. Listen, here's what we'll do. Give me your lines. And that's it. Just give me your lines. Boom. Solved it. Next role, place. And remember, always be Brimson. I'm out of here. I've heard police work is dangerous. It is. That's why I carry a big gun. Aren't you afraid it might go off accidentally? I used to have that problem. And what did you do about it? I just think about baseball. <laughs>